0: Well, welcome back as we head into hour 2. I wanted to bring back one of my favorite uh, state legislators. He is uh, Quan Win and he uh, represents legislative district 1 here in Arizona. He is also the chairman of the Judiciary Committee in our State House of Representatives. Our session legislative sessions just a little bit more than a month, about a month and a half in session. Wanted to get an update on important legislation, see uh, see how things are going. And talk to him a little bit about he comes, he comes to conservatism and the Republican Party with a very interesting biography and set of ideas. And I wanted to kind of tease those out just a little bit. Chairman Nguyen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me back. I'm so honored.
0: Well, I am honored to have you, and the people of LD1 are honored to have you, and uh, our whole state is honored to have you as the chairman of our Judiciary Committee in the House. Uh, Yeah, I guess we've been in session about a month and a half or so, maybe just a a tad longer. Any important legislation you want to highlight for the listeners that uh, is getting passed or is coming up that you want to give them an alert to, anything that you particularly have uh, shown a particular interest in?
1: Oh, absolutely. First of all, today I was down at the Capitol for the March of Life, and, oh. and I'm super familiar with that. Yes. Uh, uh, the Republicans were on stage, um, the uh, Senate president, uh, Speaker of the House, Toma. Uh We're so, you know, blessed to have the ability to um, raise the voice of the unborn uh, to protect life. And uh, so I was really honored to be there today. Um, Thank yesterday you was a nice. great day. Yes, sir. Yesterday was a great day. Uh, my House Bill 2169, uh, passed out of the, uh, uh the House. Uh, that, I- that is a bill that would, uh, increase the, uh, uh, penalty from Class 6 felony to Class 4 if you're an adult having a sexual relationship with a 15 year old. Um, current law says that, uh, you get a Class 6 and eventually you get, uh, let down to Class 1 misdemeanor and oh. basically it's a slap in the wrist. Yeah. And so we actually increased the penalty to class four plus one year in prison. I Correct. mean, to me, I, I, I love to have 25 years in prison. Yeah. That's, that's That's my honest truth. Yeah.
0: Of course, of course.
1: Yeah. In fact, so, uh, now that I'm
0: thinking about it, last time you were with us, you were talking about a fentanyl bill that was trying. You were trying to increase penalties on if that was uh, if if that if that fentanyl was if the dealer uh, supplier was found to have uh, pan- uh, uh, resulted in in the death of the individual, and that that didn't fare well, right?
1: No, that didn't fare well. And thank God for um, Chairman uh, Steve Montenegro. Good. Um, uh, chairman of uh, Health and Human Services. Yes. He gave me a vehicle bill to strike uh, my language on that bill, and it uh, it passed out of the committee. Good. But uh, my feeling is it's going to die because we just don't have enough Republican votes on it. Um, so that's really unfortunate. We're still trying to maneuver and trying to get something done for um, you know the survivor of the victims, mm-hmm. and and so it's really unfortunate that. You know everybody is talking about the fentanyl crisis the the drug crisis but uh when uh somebody like myself or Steve Montenegro decided to do something about it, we got so much criticism from both sides uh, you know and it it's really surprising to see Republicans standing up wow. for the drug dealers yeah uh and I'm just gonna be straight about Please. it uh, you know uh, if if you <laughs> Uh, if you can't see yourself penalizing and put put uh, dealers in jail, um, you're simply standing with them. I mean, you're looking at 110,000 people in 2022, an increase from 97,000 in 2021, and uh, we still don't have a solution. And the people that came up with a solution is being criticized uh, for being too harsh to, with the uh, the criminal system. And and I'm I'm just perplexed by all of this.
0: I am. I I interrupted your flow in talking about important other important pieces of legislation. But now that we're here, let's stay on this just a moment, and we can get to those other pieces of legislation, because I am perplexed as well. I am with you on this. Uh, on this, and and maybe you can help give me a guide to the perplexed here. It seems to me if you care about crime, or if you care about life, you would look for a reason to support this legislation, whereas it seems too many Republicans from a misplaced sense of compassion are looking for reasons to oppose it. You kind of get the sense they're actually looking for a reason to oppose it. I have to tell you, sir, I think it's shameful.
1: It is absolutely shameful. Now, here's the deal. Uh, there were a couple of criticisms, and I heard them uh, as, uh, as late as last night, saying that uh, uh, Chairman Wynn. Refuses uh, or refuse to work with uh, members to uh, come up with a um, uh, an amendment, and I have to tell you, the amendment I received and and uh, Chairman Montenegro received yesterday had nothing to do with the spirit of the bill. Right. So what the amendment was about was a change in a completely different section of the law. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I mean, I'm I'm just you know studying like crazy to to be, to be able to have a conversation with you. And it was about jury notification, allowing the jury to actually set the sentencing. And it has nothing to do with the spirit of this bill. If we were to entertain that amendment, it would actually destroy the bill and turn our judicial system upside down. And I'm not about to do that. So they're not negotiating in good faith at all. They basically said, you want me to vote on this? Well, let me change the law to do this and i want people to come to me and said hey you know we don't like this part of your bill as a matter of fact two, there were two sections of the bill um that they wanted changed and i did uh that was from last year which is a uh, rebuttable presumption and also uh changing the uh the transfer to sell we did those two items and they were still fighting it uh, so basically um, you know, there was one legislator that actually went onto Twitter and talked about, um, you know, undue process and and, and, and uh, um, uh, you know how it isn't fair for the, the for the dealers. Um, and yet, at the same time, um, when you have 110,000 people die, uh, where where is where is the fairness in this? Where where is the um, constitutional rights for these people that die. I'd like um, to.
0: So I'd like, like to think to, that we're part of a movement that would care at least as much, if not more so, for the victim rather than the criminal defendant. Quite honestly, this is this is becoming right, maddening. Right. And so, yeah.
1: it, it's very difficult to get to these get these people to actually talk about the victims and the survivors. Yep. They constantly talk about the constitutional rights of the dealers, yep. which once again, we get back into to that perplexing, um, thing again. Well,
0: I'm glad you're not a lawyer, uh, to be honest with you, for two reasons. One, the Constitution is meant for all of us. And second, uh, if you want to see all the damage that's been done in our legal precedents that gives these lawyers their arguments, it's because they were done and committed and written by lawyers. So I'm glad you're not. I'm glad you're not, sir. I, I think that's refreshing. And I think that's probably why you're so clear eyed on it and clear headed on it as well. Um, Let me let me bookmark that point, because I do want to talk about conservatism in general, but I didn't want to interrupt the flow, which I did do, of other pieces of legislation that you 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 think are important and that we should keep our eyes on.
1: Well, let let me put it this way. Uh, Having Katie Hart on the ninth floor is not exactly conducive to getting anything conservative done. Right. Right. so uh, I, I the way I look at it is this way, if I can't pass the bill, if I can't get the uh, my conservative agenda on board, uh, I can also kill bills yes um and and as as a chairman, I have the duty and the opportunity to do so and I have to thank uh, Mr. Bentoma for allowing me to represent leadership in this way um so, uh, just real quickly, I uh, officially killed 10 gun bills, or 10 <laughs> anti-Second Amendment uh, bills. <laughs> Ten. Wow. Um, so I did that, got got rid of 10 of them, and probably about six abortion bills. Okay. Um, so, you know, again, if I can't introduce something and get it signed into law... At the least you can stop... Do yeah. ...is to make sure I bury those things that are not aligned Good. with... Humanity,
0: good, good. I mean, that's right. We often we often think about the legislation uh, someone sponsors or passes. It's equally important to consider the legislation they are standing in the way of and stopping. I have to take a quick commercial break, uh, Chairman Wynne. If it's okay on the other side, I'd like to talk about conservatism because it is a broad movement. And I'd like to have the audience kind of hear from you where you where your conservative instincts come instincts come from, and it's interesting. Uh, you and Ben Toma share a few things in common uh, that perhaps animate some of that or inform some of that because you're familiar with countries where liberty doesn't exist. You fled them. Yes, if sure. you'll give me a commercial break here real quick, sir, uh, I'll come right back and we'll be right back with you. More from uh, uh, from uh, House Judiciary Chairman Kwong Win, And uh, don't go away. Be right back. To The Seth Liebson Show, it's a privilege and honor to have uh, Representative Kwang uh, Nguyen with us. He is the chairman of our House Judiciary Committee with a fascinatingly interesting and more importantly, perhaps at least for us, instructive autobiography. Uh, chairman Nguyen, tell us uh, – you've done it before and I, I just I, – I think we can't hear your story enough. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to America and how you came to conservatism.
1: Well, uh, thank you again for asking the question. Um, uh, I uh, left Vietnam at the age of 13, uh, six days before the fall of Saigon. My family, my entire family served in the military, uh, fighting against communism, uh, the, the French occupation, and you know, uh, World War II uh, with the Japanese occupation. So we're a tiny little country, um, a poor country. And, uh, you know, when I got over here, it, it was, you know, I followed my dad wrote a lot of articles on the Vietnam War. And, and I was able to read those articles and kind of understand. But when I got over here, I finally understood uh, how the war went down and, and how we came to the same conclusion that we had, uh, uh, you know, a year ago in Afghanistan. Right. Yeah. Same same kind of deal. Uh, we spent 20 years in the country we'll fight and then the common denominator is uh the democrat party destroyed both wars the mm. vietnam war as well as uh what's happening in uh, what was happening in afghanistan and unfortunately americans are still stuck in afghanistan uh, in kabul um, from my what i understand today yep. um so well, i got over here and i understood that uh the uh the democrat uh run congress uh, the 93rd Congress actually defunded both the Vietnam and the Cambodian that's War.
0: exactly
1: right. Uh, and, you know, people don't often talk about this, but right after the, the end of the Vietnam War, 80-plus thousand Vietnamese soldiers executed in yeah. prison. Yeah. Uh, in uh, 250,000, that's the low number mm-hmm. by the Red Cross, mm-hmm. drowned at sea. Oh. People don't realize that. And you and I both know, the killing field yep. in Cambodia, 2 million people. Yep. But if you talk to one of those Democrats that was at some point in the 93rd Congress, uh, such as Biden or Mr. Kennedy, who passed away, yep. um, they'll never admit to these uh, killings. That's right. um, they, they just sort of wash their hands. So that pretty much answered the question why I can never, ever be a Democrat, nor can I ever, ever vote for one good um and so you can see uh, that's where it came from and uh, it's not ever going to change and everything that I do now and, and I thank God every day for getting me over here to be an American and I thank God every day for uh, for him placing me at the legislature to do what the, the kind of things that I do today um, in the name of conservatism
0: Ben Toma the Speaker of the House he he has he has experience with a communist country as well correct?
1: Correct. He, uh, you know, he was a young child. And I got to tell you, I was 13. I was on the C-130. Ben Toma had uh, young siblings. I I believe he was nine years old when he uh, left communist uh, Romania. Uh And so he and I are very much aligned in terms of how we think this country is going down, this state, the things that people are trying to destroy, um, you, you know, from within. And so he and I very much align in the way we think and the way we legislate. You know, that's
0: a big theme for me in this show, the destruction of our country, going all the way back to one of the young uh, young Abraham Lincoln's speeches in 1838. He said, if destruction be our lot, it won't come from abroad. He said, we will be its own author and finisher. And I, th- I th- it was prophetic. Because all the great political philosophers, all the great statesmen of our country uh, before and since Lincoln have made similar points about that. It's when we lose confidence in ourselves that we start to unwind and deteriorate. And that certainly had to have been the animating factor as well, part of the animating factor for the Democrats in 1973, 1974, and 1975 who undercut the funding that uh, was so important just as the war was really turning our way and when we were on the cusp of victory. It, was, it wasn't it was that um, at that time that the Democrats didn't like and were soft on America itself. It's that they were soft on freedom and the freedom agenda itself. Well, that I think, has grown worse and worse and worse over the years, sir. That's my thesis. And now it's not that they're soft on our enemies, it's that they're soft on America.
1: Oh, I, 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 I totally agree with you there. And, and I, I'll go back to July of 1973, um, the last combat troop uh, from the United States poured out and the uh the idea was to replace every bullet every plane every jeep every everything that uh, that's used uh against the communists uh and that agreement uh, obviously was broken mm-hmm. and the funny thing is that uh they said well you know uh, these guys won't fight for themselves um if you notice that from 73 to april 75 the South Vietnamese soldiers actually fought for two years with no American support. Right. And we fought with whatever was left because there was no more replacement of anything. And I remember during one battle, uh, the Vietnamese soldiers were given 60 bullets. Now, imagine this, 60 cartridges for the week. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and when you, you're firing off an M-16, tell me how many, you know, how, how many can you take that to, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, you, you just imagine that. And then the, the, at the end of the war, there were so many Americans on the left saying that, you know, those guys actually didn't want to fight, yeah. didn't want to right. do anything. Right. But we survived for two years with no support. Incredible. Un- unlike what happened in Afghanistan. And I'm not saying anything bad about what's going on in Afghanistan. It's very difficult when you're, you're fighting an army that was totally supported by the Chinese and the USSR at the time.
0: Yep, that's And right.
1: people like my father paid for it, people like my brothers paid for it, my cousin. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing. Other countries paid
0: for it. I mean, after the fall of Saigon in 1975, there was a steady string of countries that fell to the soviet sphere and i have to tell you i don't know do you have time for one more segment i have to take a quick break here if you have to run absolutely
1: i'd I'd love to keep you for a bit.
0: okay good 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 i'll keep you then uh for a little longer because that lesson was never quite learned with 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 that ignominious withdrawal from saigon as about nearly a dozen countries fell into the soviet uh uh, into the soviet sphere I, i believe very much so that russia would not have invaded ukraine had they not seen what and how we handled the exit from Afghanistan. These things matter. How America acts on the world stage matters. And our greatest of enemies, be they in Russia today or as they were then, or China today as they were then, they notice how we leave. They notice how we abandon our allies. Folks, take a look at a letter one Cambodian leader, Sirik Matak, wrote where he had to ponder the awful, awful, haunting question, is it better to be America's enemy or better to be America's friend? Uh, chairman Nguyen and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's a delight to have Representative Con Nguyen with us. He is the chairman of our Judiciary Committee. You know, you think about that. Phrase, Judiciary Committee. Judiciary means it's about the operations have something to do and should be about the concept of justice. And if you listen to Representative Wynn's testimony, uh, as you have over the last couple of segments, you can see that justice is about defending against uh, defending the vulnerable and the innocent against bullies. Uh, sir, you were talking about the experience of leaving Saigon and you saw what happened when bullies were left alone and victims and innocence was lost is that something that you translate to with your work on the judiciary committee now when you talk about these these bills that you uh, sponsor and support with regard to crime at the end of the day crime is about a bully and a victim or for that matter, your march today at the March for Life in uh, at the state capitol, thats about a bully and an innocent life. It seems to me the notion of justice suffuses everything you do. Based on what you saw in your in your in your exit from Saigon,
1: um, yeah, it had a lot of um, it, it. It has a lot of influence over what I do today in judiciary. Um, you know, you talk about victims, and you're talking about the bully. Um, I remember a comment I made back in 21 as a freshman, my first year, to a uh, Democrat legislator in committee, and um, I, I think the bill was about uh, something about, oh, I, I can't remember the bill anymore. But he made a comment that uh, um, you know, people who are convicted, convicted felons, okay, convicted felons are a uh, half human right too, mm-hmm. and I I remember hearing that and i said in committee i said to him i said don't ever put put the word human right next in the same sentence as uh, you know victims, um uh, you know uh felons, human yeah, rights felons. felons, felons. Yeah. Sorry, yeah felons i'm sorry yeah felons right and and i was having a really tough time with that sentence and after that i you know i told him don't 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 ever do that again not, not in my presence because you people have no idea what human rights violation is all about. That's right. You, you you talk really big when you're here warm, well fed, you know, happy, um, and, and you're talking about human rights for felons. Um, those things just don't work with me too well. Uh, I'm always on the side and I always, in the same committee I made a comment that I'm always on the side of the victim. Yep. You have to be on the side of the victims. Go back to the the drug homicide bill. Yep. They talk about uh, constitutional rights to the victim uh, to to the, the drug dealers but never once they mentioned anything about the victims as a matter of fact I had two people sitting in my office uh, opposing the uh, the child sex bill that we talked uh in the, in the in the first segment and and you know I heard these people at the podium multiple times and finally I said to them sitting in my office and I said could you please spend 30 seconds to test them? On just honoring the victims, can you not talk about your son being a victim of a a bill a law that, that your son has broken? Can you not talk about it for one second and give some honor to the victims, the the victims that that you know under your son's action? And it almost seems like it goes over their head. It's like, well, you know, my son is suffering from this and that. And uh, he's going to be suffering for life because of uh, this conviction. And I said to her, and I said, "Have you ever thought about what the little girls have to go through for the rest of her life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of what your son did?" That's exactly. It right. is very difficult to to change. I don't know. Is that a cultural thing? I don't know. We need to change it.
0: It might be a cultural thing. That's interesting. And you know, it dawns on me. It's it's certainly it's certainly a lost. It's certainly amnesia about first principles, if nothing else. It's amnesia about first principles, because we all live in a a society that we like to think of as civilized, and based on that society of civilization, we all live in a compact with one another. And it seems to me it's a sick society, or it becomes a sick society, when anyone breaks that compact, and the focus of compassion is more directed towards the person who broke the compact and the effort is to give them a more meaningful life while the victim of the breaking of that compact through a violent act of crime, as you say, has to suffer with the consequences of that in what is, in fact, a life sentence. The victim will always get the life sentence, the violator, the felon, the violent criminal. Too much effort is spent on making sure their sentence is not for life. Let me take a quick break. I'm sorry this was a quick segment. We have a longer one coming yes, up. Sir. You betcha. I'll be right back with Quan Nguyen representing LD1 in Arizona. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. Delight to have Arizona House Judiciary Chairman Kwan Nguyen with us. He is House of Representatives here in the state of Arizona representing Legislative District 1. What a treasure. Uh, sir, Chairman, uh, Representative, um, we were talking about victims. We're talking about the innocent. And it dawns on me one area we haven't spoken about in the context of all this is nothing more innocent um, than children. And In the compact of civilization, that almost all efforts should be directed towards protecting them. Whereas it seems of late, something taking place maybe over the last five years, accelerated tremendously during COVID and since, there seems to be, um, rather than a protection of children, an adult use of children, adults using children for their political wars to soothe their anxieties, whether it was the COVID stuff, whether it's about the sexualization of them or whether it's the racialization of them, implanting into them notions and doctrines that are quite simply unnatural. And I wonder if you might say a word about the innocence and the victims we are making of our children because adults are perverse in their notions of what should be held sacred and what should be held profane.
1: That's interesting how you brought that up, because I was sitting in committee as as a chair uh, uh, to hear a Second Amendment bill. And what the Second Amendment Amendment bill was doing was to teach firearm safety education to 6th to 12th graders in in school. I mean, these are children. Mm -hmm. And the program was about teaching firearm safety. And it's amazing how many children came up. I I guess when they're 17, 18, or 12, they're kind of like children to me because I'm sort of like an old guy now. (laughs) And and so they have these children coming up testifying against uh, this particular bill as if we were bringing guns in to uh, do firearm training with the kids. Mm -hmm. So you see how the words are twisted, but they're using children to do so and I remember uh, Chairman uh, Kevin Payne in uh, Military Affairs and Public Safety. Mm-hmm. He asked uh, the, this young lady, probably 18, 19, 17 years old, and he basically said, Have you read the bill? Mm-hmm. Because your representation of the bill has nothing to do with this bill. Mm-hmm. And it's a total misrepresentation. With teaching firearm safety, they twist it around using children and say, Oh, you guys are teaching firearm training. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's, it's not just this bill. I mean, they're using children all over the place. Yeah. Um, we, we had a bill on transgender yeah. uh, not being able to play in women's sport last, sports last year. Yeah. And they did the same thing. Yeah. They, they brought in a 13-year-old and, and, you know, started talking about and and using their innocence.
0: That's what it is. It's really ripping them from the Garden of Eden, which should be childhood. You know, I often talk about uh, tyrannical movements that always depend on youth movements. We saw it in Maoist China. We saw it in Hitler Germany. We saw it throughout the entirety of the Soviet Union. I wonder, was that also true of the North Vietnamese? Did they have a a a communist youth movement too? Did Ho Chi Minh use children that way as well?
1: Much worse. Uh-huh. They used to tie twelve-year-old, eleven-year-old, uh, little children to the anti-aircraft. Uh, oh my God. Guns. Oh my God. Um, hoping that the B B fifty-two wouldn't bomb these sites, and they actually used these children to actually shoot at American aircraft. Oh my God. And and they're not. By the way, they're not asked to be sitting there. They're chained to the gun. so they couldn't leave. They couldn't run. And these are children. I mean, there. I can send you pictures of kids holding AK-47 and as tall as the AK-47.
0: Yeah, of course, of course.
1: And and of course, we don't do that here um, in the United States because we value number one life, number two children. Yeah. In those countries, they don't have to worry about it.
0: I saw some of this in the Iran-Iraq war where the besiege movement was using children as live minesweepers. You know, having them walk the, the, the suspected minefields using children. They had little plastic keys hung around their neck so that they could enter heaven, should God forbid— they actually detect a mind. This abuse of children, certainly in in warfare. We should draw that lesson, I think. We should draw that lesson from retrograde regimes. Those are the regimes that use children. And there is something very Marxian and and very retrograde about our time right now where we are using children to play these adult political games out. It's very easy for the left to march children up on the state capitol and have them testify and, and bewail a piece of legislation that they don't understand, but the adults marching them there certainly do, right? Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And and um, I have to tell you, growing up in Vietnam is, uh, during the, those 13 years, I wouldn't trade it in for anything. Yeah. I wouldn't trade it in for anything. But may I change the direction? Yes, just please. Sure. Um, you know, we talk about conservatism, and when I ran my campaign, I never went far right, I never went to the center-left. I never went anywhere. My objective, Seth, is to win. If I don't win, I wouldn't be on the radio with you talking about policy. I have to win. And then I get to do all of the things that I plan to do as what I described in the last uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, But but I'll tell you, I don't flex my muscle. I play poker with all my cards down. (laughs) All I want to do is win, and I think the Republicans need to reexamine the process and the methodology. Win first, then flex your muscle. Flexing your muscle is only going to tell people whether I want to vote for you or not. I'm not saying we're lying to anybody. I'm not lying to anybody. All I'm saying is that I'm going to tell you exactly what I do. I'm going to tell you my platform. I want you to vote for me. But I'm not going to lean far right to dismiss the XYZ and hoping for endorsement, or I'm going to lean to this side to get somebody else's endorsement. I'm going to stand on my own two feet, get the Republicans to start learning how to win so that we can do this. And why am I saying Republicans? The line between losing the, first, the Second Amendment and keeping the Second Amendment is the Republican Party. That's right it's not anything else, and if we don't w- learn to win we're gonna everything that I've done in or, or we have done in the last ten years to protect the second amendment will all be gone
0: that's right, and by the way, that line for the Republican Party is one vote strong it's one vote strong in the state legislature at least in your body yes, of sir. the state legislature that's exactly right yeah well sir um thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for standing on those two feet. You stand very tall in my book, and I think a lot more than just mine. I appreciate your time with us this afternoon, and I appreciate your public service.
1: Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Take good care.
0: You too. God bless. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Many of you have heard me talk about Y-Refi for a bit now, and if you still have some questions about what an investment with them can do for you, they urge you to give them a ring and they will happily put you in touch with any number of any number of their very satisfied customers and clients in the Phoenix area who have happily invested with them to great result. They'd also like me to ask you how your IRA is doing. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. There is, it is fair to say, and uh, just obvious to observe, A strong libertarian pull in much of our Republican Party. I'm just thinking about this in respect of my conversation with Chairman Wynne. But at the heart, I think we have to remember that libertarians' root is liberty, which means freedom. And the question we have to ask is whose freedom are we going to be more conscientious about? Whose freedom? Everyone's entitled to a certain baseline and born with natural rights in this country, of course. What happens when you trade those in by betraying them? What happens when you make victims of your fellow members of society? Standing up for victims, standing against the bully. You know, it's important to remind you can be faithful to the Constitution and still be faithful to the people who require the most support, the most weak and the most vulnerable. The victims, When it comes to crime and criminal law and criminal justice issues, let's recall too, if you're a state legislator or someone involved in state legislative processes, when it comes to issues of crime and criminal justice, that loyalty and fealty to the state constitution should also include loyalty and fealty to the Victims' Bill of Rights, which is in the state constitution, and to have all rules governing Criminal procedure. Take cognizance of victims' rights. The victim, the victim, you don't have liberty if you create more of them. And you don't have liberty if you turn callous thoughts, uh, callous policies towards them in order to bend over backwards to prove something that you don't need to prove. The bully doesn't need your help. The victims in society do. A lot more coming right up. We'll be right back